and welcome back to another episode of On Repeat, the podcast. This is the weekly music podcast where we delve into the minds of some of our favourite artists and get under the hood of their creative process and of course why they do what they do and this week is no different. We have such a treat in store for you and I really do mean treat as we speak to the wonderful trio that is Elder Island. So Elder Island are a Bristol-based band made up of vocalist and cellist Katie Sargent, bassist and beat maestro Luke Thornton and guitarist and synth master David Havard. And I think that just by mentioning the broad range of instruments that are included in portfolio of what they do this is reflected in their unique sound the band effortlessly blend and transform genres such as electronica indie pop and neo soul and then just create something entirely of their own and they've really carved out their own genre defying space in the musical landscape and they're just so exciting to listen to i think that you can really hear just how much they transform the genres in their newest track, Purely Educational, which is taken from their forthcoming album, Swimming Static. I've had the track on all week. I've had it on repeat, no pun intended. And I find that like the punchy kind of synth and the funk led bass line have just been a bit of a work from home anthem. I just can't stop listening to it. It is such an earworm. So definitely go and check them out. And yeah, thank you so much, Delder Island, for coming to speak to us. It was super exciting to have them on the show in a very wet and snowy February. We've never interviewed a band before, and I think that we did a pretty good job. So do let us know in the review. So yeah, some of the topics that we discuss this week are their forthcoming album, Swimming Static, which was recorded at their home studio, pretty much all in lockdown. We also talk about how they build their live shows and the immersion behind them, plus how they collaborate and work together as a trio, which is something that we've not really got to discuss so much from the entire band. It's sometimes like one person, one person in the collaboration. So it's so interesting to have all three voices speaking to us. So yeah, I'm going to stop talking so we can get on with the interview. If you want to find out more about Elder Island, please do follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Elder Island. It's all the same handle across all the platforms. And don't forget to check out their music wherever you get yours from. We will have the pre-save link in our Instagram bio. If you like what me and Ellie are doing here on repeat, don't forget to leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. It's totally free. Follow us on Spotify if that's why you're listening. And of course, just tell all your friends that you like what we're doing or slide into our dms on instagram you can find us at on repeat the podcast so yeah that's it from me a longer than usual intro and without much further ado elder island It's really exciting to speak to you a lot. And actually, we must say this is our first um, podcast where we've spoken to uh, more than one person as our kind of Mm. interviewees. So we're just conscious of that and leaving (laughs) enough space. So uh, I guess um, for people who are listening, it'd be good to kind of have introduce you, I suppose. So do you want to do you want to go for it? (laughs) Who wants to go first? Um, Katie? Okay, yeah, so yeah, um, I'm Katie Sargent and I sing and play cello in Elder Island. Uh, Hi, uh, hi, I'm Luke. Um, I play the bass and the drums in Elder Island. Um, I also mess around, we we all mess around on instruments, so the studio, it's a whole bunch of instruments that we can. And hi, I'm Dave and I play... 
the guitar and keys mostly in Elder <laughs> Island. But yeah, that's very much in a live sense. We have our kind of instruments that we play, but when it's studio based, it's anything goes. Oh, nice. That sounds exciting. So you're all like very much multi-instrumentalists kind of trying your hand at different things when the sort of time is necessary. Yeah, for sure learning. <laughs> for sure learning as well. Are you lot in a bubble at the moment? Yeah, we've been in a bubble since the beginning of lockdown, really. So what's it like oh, being wow. in, a, in, a, in a sort of band bubble? I guess that, that's ideal. Does it ever get a bit difficult? <laughs> <laughs> Straight in. Uh, it definitely has its ups and downs. It's had its ups and down this year. But oh, I mean, here I, we go. Here we go. me and um, yeah, I used yeah. to live in this house. This is Luke's house, and this is where we have the studio. Just down in the basement. Yeah, and I've oh, literally only in the last two weeks just moved out. But Katie lives very locally as well, so we've been very like closed in the whole whole of lockdown here. It's been a, a close oh, wow. lockdown. Yeah. I kind of imagine it would be, I mean, I don't know, uh, but I imagine it'd be quite nice um, having a lockdown in Bristol. I mean, I'm comparing it to London and Leicester, I suppose, but Bristol's always been one of those places for me that I just think, oh, people are so cool from Bristol. I wish that I grew up in Bristol like, or lived there at some point. How has it been for you lot kind of doing your, your thing in Bristol? Because I think a lot of people assume that London's like the centre and the heart of of the universe sometimes uh, for music and things like that are you are you happy to to be there do you think there's any advantages of um being in london or would you want to come to london how do you feel about it we did used to didn't we we talked about it yeah i mean at uni we spent time in london i know mm. you were here for a few months and i i spent time in the summer here like we, we have a, a lot of love for London, but there is a different vibe from Bristol in Bristol because it's such a small city, you know, I can get from one side to the other in an hour by walking it. And it's so diversely different and culturally different in that hour. Um, but, you know, I don't know, we've, we've just loved the place. We've always loved the place since like first ever being here and lockdown here, I guess, it was more chilled than, because we heard stories of London and I think there was a lot more checking and police presence, whereas I think we we, was, we went rule breaking here, but it was a bit less clamped down. Um, yeah, at times you didn't remember we're in the middle of a pandemic. You just, you'd kind of go out and like, because we live um, in Montpellier here, so we've got the St. Werbergs around the corner and they've got the mounds. So just walking out that way. You feel like you're in the countryside within like five minutes and you forget that you're like, oh yeah, there's, we're supposed to be locked away right now, aren't we? And, and not doing anything. I guess it also is, I always think of, yeah, Bristol, yeah, being a very like walkable city as opposed to, as opposed to London where you just, you're on public transport all the time. It is really nice that you can just like walk and leave and be in a different place. And as you said, somewhere so like diverse and different. Um, and then thinking about like prior to lockdown, that, that long ago time, um, how did the city or did the city kind of like influence your, your sound? Cause you're quite, um, like a mix of genres and growing up in Bristol, I've always thought that it's really musically diverse and there's like a, like a corner of every kind of sound. And I'd love to know how that kind of influenced you. I, I think subconsciously that is everything. Mm. Yeah. But what like, you said, there's a corner of, yeah. of every sound and it kind of culminates in a lot of our music 
that yeah. we draw from a lot of different influences. We've been doing interviews recently and this, this question comes up quite a lot. And, but the way you've said it is, is basically how we would articulate it as well. Yeah. Mm. There is so many different spots that, and so many different musical genres of everyone in their own, um, I don't know, collectives or groups like doing their own thing really well. And there's so much mm -hmm. to see it that you can just go out on a night out and then end up tagging along with somebody else and seeing something completely new. It is beautiful. I miss it. I miss, um, you know, last year's just been a killer because it's like, lovely weather and it was just like I had so much I just really wanted to go out um yeah when it came to September I felt like getting robbed a little bit of the summer it's like no I <laughs> yeah. don't want the sun to go I don't you know uh, but you know I guess that's why we're in a lockdown now because it wasn't stricter you lot were speaking about um uni so is that is that where you met uh, or how how did you guys sort of get together? So me and Luke have known each other since we were like three years old. We went, to, yeah, we went to the um, we went to the same reception, and our parents were good friends because they played tennis together. And then Luke went to a different school, so we sort of separated like after, after year two. But because of our parents being friends, we still saw each other now and again. And then when we were like sixteen, seventeen when we were like playing in teenage bands at our school, we kind of like started to merge schools a bit and sort of playing in bands across that way. I guess we got to college, didn't it? So it was like, yeah. okay, college and starting to drive. Driving was kind of, it's kind of everything down in like Bournemouth, the New Forest way. Cause it- <laughs> so Otherwise yeah. you get dropped off by your mum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you need that freedom. Yeah. And we, you know, we've always just listened to music and made music. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> sort of when it came to uni, Luke went to Newport and I went to Bristol and then coming to Bristol, I met Katie in university there. Mm. And then we started living together from the second year in a shared house. And Luke was coming to Bristol a lot at that point and sort of staying with us. Sleeping in the kitchen. Yeah. But we weren't doing anything <laughs> sort of music based in. I guess once Luke got his own place in Bristol, we were starting to go around and sort of jam at Luke's a bit again and starting to play music while we were studying all our art degrees. But mm. it wasn't until like the third year that we actually started to make music, I guess. Mm. We found like Katie, Katie started to sort of play around with the cello a bit and then started singing. And that's when we were like, oh, there's something here. What was like the sort of, what was your kind of your, your teenage bands? What did they sound like? I've never heard them. I actually, Why are you hiding I actually yeah, when I, 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 yeah, when I went home over, um, I think it was over Christmas, I like, cause my mum hoarded everything from like when I was a small child to everything I've ever done or made. She's got it stored away at home. Was it you that found your teeth recently? No. Oh, no. oh wow. <laughs> wow. I'd be pretty worried about my teeth. <laughs> my baby teeth stored away. <laughs> No, but I found some of our old like demos that we made when we were like seventeen in bands. Yeah, <laughs> what were they like? It was like Arctic Monkeys infused with, I guess, a bit of LCD sound system. Nice. I actually quite like the sound of that. <laughs> it was quite erratic, actually. It was um, like it was like we had this amazing drummer, um, and yeah, we we just used to cut had quite a mental like structure I just remembered like it would chop it would do one thing and then it would chop and do something else quite similar to Arctic Monkeys and that I don't know it was, mm. it was weird I, I I hope 
it doesn't get put up or isn't still up. It might be still up on MySpace, actually. <laughs> what yeah. was it called? No, let's not, yeah, let's not go down that route. <laughs> it's interesting you talking about um, making music in third year, but, you know, not doing too much before then but it sounds like you were doing a lot in your own way sort of developing your taste but it's interesting how you also develop that together I feel like that's quite unusual because when I feel like a lot of bands get together because they're like okay you you you, yeah we can play these instruments let's go um or even thinking about like you know those boy bands that are just like put together um and completely like engineered really precisely you lot seem so much more sort of organic and it seems like you had a lot of time to develop friendships before do you think that's been a quite an important uh, part of your music making as well definitely i think yeah. i think a lot of the basis of our music like the rock is our friendship that's yeah. kind of held through um yeah so definitely everything you just said <laughs> it's just yeah um, yeah because yeah, it's always based around us sharing music with each other and just being passionate about the same kind of music and we'd go out partying and clubbing with each other all the time in the city and that was like yeah. our education and our love for all those sort of things and it kind of just bled into so. yeah wanting to actually keep doing that yeah and we didn't because where we lived, it was quite stimulating because we had like record players and we listened to music all the time. We didn't really have a TV, did we? No, no. So it was all the evenings was just like messing about listening to music. Yeah, because it was like a lot of the people like that we, me and Katie lived with, like one of them was really good on guitar and friends would come around and we would just play acoustic guitar and jam around in that kind of way most evenings and just play around. It's quite folky. Yeah. Um, Kind of like hippie environment. <laughs> yeah, because I guess when we actually started, the first kind of stuff we were doing was much more folky. Mm. It was that like it was just like an acoustic bass, an acoustic guitar, an acoustic cello, and snare drum. Yeah, and on a kick drum maybe. That's quite cool. And how did like the sort of like more synthy electronic kind of sound come in? Because I feel like folk and there's some some parts where they like cross over, but they are different genres. And I I think of two very different bands when I hear those those words. We kind of there's quite a big gap between that. Like when we finished uni, that was like 2010, and our first EP didn't really come out until well, it didn't come out in 2014. So it took us four years to basically learn software learn ableton play with synths like we bought you know dr samplers and we bought um synthesizers and wow. yeah we like bought more loopers and we were experimenting more um we kind of just i don't know just grew out of it didn't we we kind of we we made previous jams but the ones that we went more towards that were like this musical production mm. um yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of learning the aspect of recording and then the technology that kind of came with that. It was like learning to play instruments to start and just the physical playing of an instrument. But then when we wanted to record, it's like, there's no way we need to learn how to do this. Mm. But like getting an audio interface at that time was actually cheap. Mm. It was affordable for people like us to do. So then we'd like, okay, let's figure out how to record this. And then each kind of step, it was like, I really want to put this kind of sound in there. How do we do that? How do we create that? And choosing real stringed instruments or real instruments was trying to push the boundaries of that and then being like, nope, 
need a synthesizer now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I kind of like that sort of puzzle piece of it. Um, I work for Native Instruments, so kind of do a lot on the kind of software production kind of side, which is um, quite fun, but it can be a bit of a, a bit of a minefield. I think particularly if you. Yeah, you know the sound you want to make, but there's like a million different plugins and companies and pieces of software. Like, how do you actually make it? Do you think that there was like one thing or do you think there was maybe like one piece of software or one piece of hardware that you kind of got and you were like, yes, this is the thing that I've been trying to find and couldn't quite create? It's a funny question. I feel like <laughs> it's endless. Isn't it? It's endless. <laughs> that looking for that one piece of hardware is like nah. lodged in yeah. in Dave's brain, like inception. I've, I've been on that quest. <laughs> this is why I still make music. When when I find that thing, <laughs> that's up. that's when I'll probably stop because <laughs> I've hit it at that point. But yeah, I mean, I'm really passionate about electronics, and I always have been, and that's been very much part of, of it along the side. So I've been trying to design a product for, I don't know, I think it's been like five years I've been working on it, slowly trying to tweak it. Then a product comes out that gets close to what I'm trying to achieve. So I jump at that and then it doesn't quite do it. And I'm like, oh, so I'm back to the drawing board again. <laughs> the emotional roller coaster oh, is, is just so hard to, <laughs> to ride with you. <laughs> I feel like it's difficult with um, like so many music things in general like that. Like when you were saying things are a minefield, like you, you realise how much is there and then it can become a little bit almost intimidating. I, I wonder, like, do you like, ever find that with um, just the industry really? Like, do you ever have those moments where you're like, oh, it's so oversaturated or how do you like keep going? What keeps you going? Yeah, the industry. It does get on our nerves quite often. Yeah. It can be quite a, like, tiring sort of thing, the kind of pressure that gets put on you from the industry. It's a game, isn't it? Yeah, and the demand that's just, like, needing to keep momentum and keep rolling with it and just do, 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 and smash, 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 we need to get this out quicker and all these sort of things when it's like, well, all that really matters, really, is the music is quality and we're happy with the outcome and the people that listen to our music appreciate it in the same way and that's essentially the end goal of it it's like if we could just cut out the industry the middleman and we can just go direct to fans that would be the most ideal sort of way to do it and when you're when you're writing do you kind of feel like you write for just for you or do you write for your audience as well or a little bit of both like because I know that so many artists sort of are faced with the challenge of like how much do we commercialize this versus like how much of this is going to be really like quintessentially us do you know what I mean yeah I think I think we write for ourselves mostly but I also think that we're kind of bullied by the tracks themselves like hmm. when when the tracks kind of start they sort of push us around in the way that they want we follow what we think they should sound like and we're like falling over trying to make it happen and make the sounds right and I feel like that sort of quest writes the song (laughs) (laughs) and and while we're in that there's no kind of space to think about oh well what would someone else think because you're too busy being like, I need to find a watery yeah. sound that will fill this gap. <laughs> I really like the sound of that. What's what is kind of the starting point then for that process? What when you're in the studio or wherever you're like writing, creating, whichever space you decide to do that in? What, yeah? How do you start as a as a trio, or do you actually, or maybe go away and 
work on something separately and come together? How does the how does that kind of workflow look? It starts with we've got all our equipment. This is the room that we make music in, and we have done for the last six years. But um, we're all basically we just have Ableton, which we use as a more of a tape recorder, really. But all of our kits all synchronized over MIDI. So we've got all our loopers and stuff all, all clocked together. So it just starts, someone will start doing something and loop that. And then we're all in time with each other and just start building loops. And we just multi-track record whatever happens. So they're kind of like live impromptu sessions. Yeah. Complete, no, there's never, we never normally start them with any kind of initial ideas either. It's just sort mm. of like... I'm just going to play on these drums for a bit. Oh, ooh, I like that. I like that sound and kind of get a little loop going. And then somebody else will yeah, enjoy start with doing. The and then Katie normally starts by just ooing away for a bit and like <laughs> so much finding some little like oohs and melodies and like manipulates her voice for a while. But then it kind of starts <laughs> kicking it off a bit. And then when we're on a roll, it's just like we, I guess we've, we never, we've changed our setup over the years, but not completely switched it out. We've always just, kept adding what we've needed to so we've kind of mastered these components that we've got yeah core and, components. yeah and then try and add to that every time so we feel very natural with a lot of them so it's quite quick to be just like right yep in got a loop down like that so jump to another instrument let's try that out or oh, that sounds crap let's get rid of that let's try this <laughs> And yeah, it just keeps going from there. You've been writing music together for such a long time. It must be nice because you've probably got like a, what's the word? Maybe like an intuition about like, like kind of working together. Can I, can I say that? that Yeah, Yeah. totally. It's a very free space actually, I feel, because we're all so close. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You you know when you're recording it and then you spend weeks listening back or like months in total of listening back to all of the stuff all of the time. So, yeah, but it is definitely a safe space in here. It's like, you know, it's up for discussion and it's, uh, you know, there's no wrong answer. It's like just as it's better to get it out and let it be out there rather mm. than you just not say anything. And that's, what's really good is that as soon as like you just say what you're thinking or it's, it's, yeah, it's no wrong answer. That's really nice. Quite therapeutic, really, sounding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can Actually, be. The, the sessions are very, yeah, we can lose hours and hours, well, days and days. Yeah, um, and I guess with this which album. Which we did with this album. Yeah, it really did at the start. I, the, our process for this album very much, because we started kind of fresh in a way. Mm. And it was literally from, I think, like the 2nd of Feb or 3rd of Feb until the 3rd of March, that whole month, I think, five to six days a week, we were just doing sessions. And I think there was like 50 to 60 sessions in total. So it was just like relentless sort of doing it. Everything was different every time, but that was the backbone. From that point, that's what we (laughs) took to make the album. So it's like picking the best bits, whittling them down, got it down to like 16 or 17 tracks as the initial demos and then working them some more. So there's still a stockpile that we can go through to like... (laughs) Above the weirder ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is, um, that's incredible, but it makes a lot of sense because I I was um, thinking, so you started kind of making music in 2010 and then you said it went to sort of 2014 to release your first EP. And then, so that's like a four-year, a four-year kind of learning curve, if you want to call it that. And then you released your album in 2019. 
And now this is like your second album. So like the gap between 2019 and 21 is actually extremely short. And I guess with some of the, maybe your previous work, you did have like more of a portfolio to kind of pick from or maybe like a just longer time. Um, So yeah, was it like kind of stressful to make this second album? I think you guys felt more like it was fresh. It felt it felt like we were starting from afresh, mm. which was different. But I, I wouldn't say it was stressful. No. It well, was, had its moments because of yeah. the outside world of lockdown. On. And right at the beginning, it was so unknowing, mm. like when it just took hold of the country. The whole country is kind of like in this like scared panic. Um, so at first, because that happened we had been recording for a little while in here. So after that happened, there was like this outside stress where we were kind of, it went a bit weird for like a month or so. Cause it was, we were all just like figuring it out, like looking at like the news and just, I don't know. It was weird. Mm, it was yeah. odd. Cause we'd already, we were basically already in a month worth of lockdown previous to lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that, that's how we were making it. We we barely left this room. Like Kate was going home, then coming back the next morning, and then we just crack on again all day, like fourteen hour days of just <laughs> playing straight. And then we was like, yeah, we wrapped that up, and then it was like, oh wait, what's this? It's a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> So they are a collaborative um, process as well because the the track list for Swimming Static, the, the names on those, they're just so, they're lovely. <laughs> like, they're amazing. And they, they, they seem interconnected in, the, in their own way as well. Um, but yeah, I wondered uh, who is, is, are the lyrics sort of down to one person or is that collaborative? But the names are actually more of a collaborative thing, which yeah. is nice that you Why? mentioned it. Um, the, my my lyrics a lot of them I'll kind of go away but I'll always consult the guys and talk about or try and hash out what I'm trying to say within them but the names are they're a funny one because it's always like a place marker that you put on or or sometimes it's like I've been singing weird lines on a session and then Dave will think that I've said something and so he'll type that as the name of the song and then it just stays (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like they're all those. A lot of the track names are from the, the very first session that we do when we save that project. It gets dated and named a random name, and half the time that stays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dave will be like, "Come on, what we're going to call it? What we're going to call yeah. it? What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Cheesecake." Like, okay. <laughs> so, did you have a similar? Did you have a similar thing for your actual band name as well? How did that come about? Oh, the- Name. That was calculated, actually. It's such a boring. <laughs> no, did you? Story. Is in, did you actually go on? Because you know, there's that band generator website, like band name uh, generator, oh, where you just keep generator. refreshing it, and it comes up with these random words put together, like chocolate jelly, or like. I don't know. <laughs> we did actually struggle with with the naming of the album for for this album, and we did start doing the where is it? It's like the point marker where it's three words, and so everywhere on the globe is marked out by three words um and so yeah we did a lot of like so what's the house yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. what's pink the gladiator lovely or something <laughs> oh, okay maybe um but yeah the was it the elder island um yeah that was a lot more calculated um we, we basically wanted a name that wasn't elder island 
1709 or something on on soundcloud and like other and other platforms it had to be forward slash elder island and we need to make or we need to make sure we had a band name that was that precise we wanted the domain name we eventually came up with elder island because we had themes of um was it like elm did we have like just different sort of tree themes yeah and like land yeah i think i think we wanted we really wanted island in the name Mm -hmm. i think there was a band name we had before which we really wanted to run with and a band had just come out with the same name like when we started looking they were like a brand new band and we're like damn they'd be yeah yeah so we yeah. had the same with the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we were like, on repeat's a great name. Oh, it's take. Well, we'll just add. I thought that. I thought it was like a um, like a homage to Bristol because I was thinking of like Turbo Island, Spike Island. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we use that. Yeah. <laughs> Next story is. You'll be like, hang on. <laughs> have a really nice setup together being in a bubble and writing music and things like that obviously it's really difficult not being able to play live gigs I'm sure like you know we're all as equally heartbroken about that but I wondered is there is there anywhere you would like any festival or anything that you would all love to play like what would be your dream Glastonbury yeah Glastonbury Glastonbury. Yeah. Stage. I, yeah, last time I went to Glastonbury was 2010. I said, I'm not coming back until I'm performing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way. That's the best way. What about gigs that you have played? What's your fate? What's been your favourite so far? Any Dublin show. I love like Dublin. <laughs> Dublin is just it's yeah. my favourite every they time. Like, they are very good to us. Yeah, the first time we played was actually a, it caught us off guard. Like we'd never been to Ireland before to perform and then like I'd never been to Ireland before anyway, mm. but we got there and we, we played, um, played in London the night before at the jazz cafe and we were playing Dublin the night after. So after that show, <laughs> Luke smashed the drive all the way <laughs> so we could get the ferry at like four in the morning, five in the morning. Yeah. So we got the ferry over and then we arrived and we tried to get a few hours sleep and we were staying at friends. So it was a, quite a like a wild time. Woke the neighbours up when we arrived, which is a bit messy at like seven in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, and we like went down and we, it hadn't sold out. It was the only one that hadn't sold out on the tour and we didn't know what to expect. Like we didn't know what was going to happen. And it was the first payday in Ireland that they had since Christmas. And the place sold out that night and it was absolutely wild. We were not expecting that, but mm. the kind of, energy levels are they they absolutely lose it but when it, the dynamics go down a bit it, they just sh- sh- shut up and it's like you can hear a pin drop yeah. and they were creating their own little melodies and chants in these little gaps as well and it's that was a real buzz how did that feel for you lot did you kind of like did, did you really bounce off that energy it must have been incredible oh massively because yeah. we were all yeah. delirious and yeah we were so tired and we all kind of slunk on stage like feeling completely <laughs> so out of exhausted. it and then that energy hits you and yeah it, it was yeah that was an incredible gig because it just turned around so quickly <laughs> the energy it was just like wow i'm in i'm in 
Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely nice talking because I feel like we've had so many conversations about lockdown and creating music in lockdown but it's kind of nice to have conversations about gigs I suppose isn't it because that feels like the past and the future which is just like it's it's just sort of got this this warm feeling hasn't it and I think it'd be it's interesting that you said Glastonbury as well because I feel like yeah that is like (laughs) that is a brilliant dream but also the thing about Glastonbury is I feel it's one of those festivals that even if you know nothing about music you've heard of Glastonbury and then it brings together people from all sorts of like different sort of genres and it's like you know Dolly Parton uh, there's the um podcast was it what's it called Hattie Dolly Parton in America or something Dolly Parton's America it's one of my favorite podcasts would recommend it's amazing (laughs) would recommend it and um and they basically just say how amazing it is that she managed to bring together like the most random groups of people who you would just think never get on. But do you feel like, because your music is, you know, it's it's genre defying, isn't it? You, you'd think that actually it could bring together loads of different people and Glastonbury would then be a really good space for it. Have you actually experienced that at a gig where you've seen lots of different types of people there? Yeah. yeah, a lot of the shows are like that. Mm. They're always quite a diverse mix of people in the crowd, and you can get someone that's like in their sixties, absolutely having it at the front, mm. and it's amazing yeah. to see. Yeah, some of our like longest and biggest biggest fans have also been quite old. Shout out to Tim from Taunton. Yeah, um, he was at like our second gig and just always followed us and like showed us to his friends and. Yeah, there's a huge yeah dynamic range of like people listening. It's nice. What's been your favorite gig that you've gone to? Whether that's together or like what I don't know. There, is there anything that like sticks out in your mind as being a really good experience, just out of interest? I there was there was a show. Were you there as well, Dave? With Likey Lai, Leaky Lee at Thecla. Oh, yeah, that Can was so good. I'd forgotten. Yeah. She's so oh, cool. That was an incredible show. Yeah. I, I just remember like the Thecla in Bristol is a boat. Um and it's it's a it's a mad little venue, um uh, if you've ever been to it. Previously and, owned by Viv Stantral of the Bonzo Dog Doodah band. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a mad like old boat and uh, we saw Leaky Lee, Lucky Light, I can never like, say yeah, it. Yeah, right, I'm not actually sure right? what it is. Um but I just remember that she oh that was it. Big Jeff, who's also a big name in Bristol. Yes. I was gonna um, say Jeff is Big Jeff was, came to one of your gigs. Yeah. yeah, he came to one of the first and it was like, we've got Big Jeff here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Big Jeff was dancing in the crowd and she got off stage and then just started having a dance off with him. Um I just remember like the drummer and her had this like amazing like energy yeah like, I don't know if it's like almost sexual yeah. tension and she she was like obviously amazing and like oozing sexual kind of prowess anyway and she mm. took off all these chains I remember she was wearing loads of chains and she was using them as a percussive sort of sound with the with the microphone and, and then she'd like clambered all over the boat and it was yeah it was one of those really sort of in the moment gigs mm. and on the thick yeah and that was at the time of her first album as well, wasn't it? Mm. Like, so it was just like, yes, it was like the best time. <laughs> Are those the kind of gigs that you prefer to go to or even prefer to like put on? Like quite, because Thecla is quite small and like intimate in comparison to, I'd say, quite a few venues. Um, as opposed to, I don't know, like a 
uh, Colston Hall. I don't know what the first thing came up to my mind. Like, you know, like an O2 kind of thing. Do you prefer like the sort of smaller crowds that you can kind of, I feel like you can almost like make out people in the in the crowd as opposed to like big, bigger like arena kind of things? I think there's a better energy about them in some respects because you feel so much more there and present with people when someone can literally be like a foot in front of you. But they're also the ones where you feel so much more nervous about doing. Yeah. Like, because they're like so close and it's so much more intimate, you feel so much more on edge. You're a bit more like, like playing a 5,000 cap venue feels much easier than playing like a 200 cap venue sometimes. I mean, it's still nerve wracking. Yeah, 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 obviously. <laughs> but it's, in, it's a different kind of thing. Yeah. There's a slight separation between you and the crowd then. You don't clock mm. like direct people. You don't like lock eyes with someone in the same way where you can be like, oh, which I, it happens to me if I look someone in the eyes, I play the wrong notes all of a sudden and like, yeah, like I know I just need to sort of like focus on what I'm doing. You yeah. talk about this a lot. You must like, are you eyesing everyone in the crowd while you're playing accidentally? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to give something a bit more in a performance aspect. And then I like look at someone who's like dead staring me, just like focusing. And I'm just like, oh God. I mean, we kind of do the live differently if it, or we've been trying to, if it's a bigger show, we're going to try and put on more of a visual like show that you're going to go see um but when it's smaller it's like well we've we've got to be the visual thing and it is sometimes it can go really right and you can have this amazing intimate three four hundred cap crowd like we were saying with dublin but sometimes you can have like a a hundred two hundred cap room that we had in like hamburg and like Dave was saying, there was a guy about two foot away from me. I was like, I was like trying to play and he's just like looking over me, my equipment as he's doing it. And I'm just kind of like, this is weird. Oh, how do you, how do you get over like the kind of the nerves? What, what are your, what are your tips? What do you do? A shot of tequila. <laughs> yeah. I am more wholesome. I like to do a small amount of yoga before we go. <laughs> and then a shot of tequila. Yeah, I, I like chain smoke, like three cigarettes, three shot of tequila, and all go on stage. Have you ever had anyone heckle you at a gig? All the time. Mostly, mostly our friends, actually. Yeah, our mates like to heckle, and they always have done. We've got a friend, uh, Tom. He He's come when he lived in Bristol. He used to come to the big gigs, and uh, he always shouted, um, "Play some Simply Red!" <laughs> always like when the crowd had like died down. <laughs> did it like three times in different gigs. Oh uh, yeah! One day, one day we were just we yeah. were just start playing it. Yeah, yeah. that was show. actually about requests and how annoying it is because you always think about that like with DJs like how many requests do you get but actually it's true as a live band like especially if you're playing at small intimate venues I guess there'd be a lot of people who are like sitting there like when are they going to play a song that we know <laughs> or like, yeah. like that and it's like oh come on like we're here playing our own music kind of thing do you get that a lot or do you just are your audience do they usually know like it's your stuff it's different. It's a mixed bag everywhere. Mm. Really, sometimes it so feels like that. Like it's felt like that in France sometimes, but that's just, I guess, how they listen to the music. <laughs> I suppose festivals, yeah. you're always kind of, mm. festivals are interesting because a lot of the time people are there and they don't know your music. So you have to kind of put on a show to capture them 
or like yeah. get them in and get them to stay. And um, I suppose the, the best example of that would be when we played Boomtown <laughs> and we like, <laughs> we didn't even know if we were going to get in because it was such an absolute mad Pass to get in, but it was a shit show. <laughs> 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 they didn't know where we were going. In the end, this guy just slapped a ticket on our van and was like, "Just, just, get just drive." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, when we started, everyone was like sat down, cross-legged, and just kind of like staring, kind of yeah, yeah taking Sunday, it all in. Oh, it was Saturday, wasn't it? it was Saturday, yeah. but in the daytime, and um, and then yeah started to kind of like build up the set and but at that point our sets would just kind of start slower and then just get faster and faster faster, faster and like more hard-hitting dance ones towards the end and yeah by the end of it like <laughs> just clambering over the tent like <laughs> crowd serving it was, it was amazing just this kind of um change from the start to the finish sounds like boomtown it really does <laughs> clambering over the tent <laughs> Um, I want to, just something you mentioned um, a second ago was, and you want to make more of like a visual with your live sets. Um, I'd love to know kind of what you mean by that. Um, I'm expecting like lasers kind of thing. Is that what I'm... We've been building our own lights for the past... Couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years, three years. I think. They're like big strobe lights. Um, what? Strobe lights. Like, LED strips. Yeah, strip lights. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, yeah, and so we, we've been working on that for quite a while and it's starting to, well, we, we've been programming them uh, when we went to America. Well, everywhere, haven't we? They're basically yeah, they've programmed. become our little, like our own personal tour package that we can take with us. So we will always have something visual. But I think like in um, some of the earlier years when we were like turning up to some spaces and some venues and you play and there's just like a static red light on you for the whole night. Mm. And like, we're not, like we're hopping around the stage, putting cartwheels and God knows what. We're quite like fixed. We're in our stations of playing. So we wanted to bring in something a bit more visual. Yeah, because we're always dancing, but yeah, we're kind of stuck with our equipment. So yeah. It's not mm. like a visual It's not like delight. you can pick up the drum machines and just walk around the <laughs> yeah. stage. I feel you should. But yeah, it's kind of to give it that little more edge and, and I suppose a bit more immersive because yeah. um, when we program the lights they're intuitive to the music so it all runs off the MIDI that's sent from Luke and Dave uh, so in all the parts of the songs they'll change the lights will change so they might flash more if it's like a drop or they'd like be slower if it was a slow part of the track um, yeah the whole intention is to be very responsive to our playing mm-hmm. Because we have like our, it's not like pre-programmed, we have our parts that we play, but it's all performed live and we move to the next part as we do. And we always extend it some nights, some nights we're like, no, let's just keep it short and sweet tonight. So it fully responds to our playing and works in that way. If it's part of our rig itself, like it was initially designed that you just plug a MIDI keyboard in and you can just play the lights. So it's all programmed over MIDI instead of DMX and stuff like that. Because we didn't know the language at that point, but now... Now we're starting to get it a bit, but we also employ lighting engineers now. <laughs> That's really yeah. nice. <laughs> so yeah, so I guess it's kind of like, um, is it like Max for Live, that kind of DJing kind of side, but with lights Not basically. as much. It's always, we always try and use a piece of hardware, a dedicated piece of hardware if we try and do something. Because oh. any experience of laptops that we've used, it's always led to a headache or a crash. 
and needing a second system in place. And it's like, no, let's not bother with that. Let's just get us a dedicated piece of kit that does what it does. It's kind of an ethos for us, isn't it? other very well um what would you say to people or what is I guess like the biggest learning curve of like being in a band and what would you say to people that are maybe I don't know thinking of starting one but don't really know like how to go about it or like maybe don't know people that want to make music with them that's a tough one actually yeah. I mean if you if you like making music and you can find people that you like making music with I think if, if you can get something together, then just just try and put it out in some way and just keep... Like, it, it's it's a really hard road to, to go down. Um, or it's a really, hard, like, long, hard road to achieve, like, this, you know, at the moment. Mm. Um, but, like, just do it. If you love making music and you, if you want, like, making music with other people, just keep on doing it. If you... It, like, I, I've got a friend who's making music at the moment and... Um, it's that thing of like, oh, it'd be great if there was a girl singer on it or if somebody else could play the guitar. I always say to him when when things were open, you know, like just go to an open mic night or go to four open mic nights. And if you see someone that's just absolutely jamming, go have a chat with them. See if you get on with them. Like see if they fancy coming around and having a jam or, you know, recording. And if you can, if that can grow, then it's, it's yeah, just do it. Mm. When you want to take it professionally, a, a use of a better word, or like, you know, really try and make it as a band, I, I don't know, I feel like you have to know each other, or you don't. Depends how much you... Yeah. It's, it's a weird one. Mm. I always would say as well, especially the first thing you're about to put out, write twice as much music before you put <laughs> that first thing out. Mm. Because otherwise, if you do well off that first one, this is what happened to us especially as well, like we put out the self-titled EP. We didn't have any intention of being like, we're going for this, we're going to be real good musicians. We kind of just put it out. Someone wanted to put it out with us, like on a physical copy, and we did. And immediately we were hounded for more music and we were like, oh, we, we, we don't have any. Like, <laughs> Luke's going away for three months, so's KD, you know, yeah. like, we're not going to be making music for a while. <laughs> so yeah, it's like making, like, if you're going to go do it, double up what you've got. Yeah. Definitely. I like that. Do you do you ever go back to like your your kind of old things? Maybe things you've sat on for like I don't know since two thousand and ten. Yeah. Do you ever go back to them, listen through, and be like, this is actually quite cool, even though it's however many years old. We've kind of like like after with the first album, we kind of did that. We kind of like wrapped up like mm. what we wanted to use that was ever old. Um, yeah, on Omnitone. With so Omnitone, yeah. Things like Don't Lose had been hanging around for years. Yes. <laughs> we were just like, right, we finished them or they're done. Yeah. <laughs> they don't exist for us anymore. Yeah, sure. And then with this one, because we've now got loads of new ones that are hanging about, it's kind of like, well, like yeah, let's. <laughs> there's 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 quite a few in there that it's like, I, I want to see that finished because that's mm. going to be absolutely beautiful when it is finished. Probably ask ask the same question, but in a few yeah. years' time, and we'll be like, ah, we have too much. <laughs> yeah. I do have one sneaky thing I've got upstairs, which I oh. haven't listened to in a long time, but it was the first thing that we ever recorded together in like 2010 or 2009. 
It's like oh, is that the dub? Yeah, I like part of my like university project. I was studying graphic design, yeah. but I kind of tried to tie making music into it towards the end, and I went and got a dub plate cut of the first two tracks that we ever made together. Obviously. Oh, cool! So this thing's yeah. only been played like three times because it's obviously got like sixteen plays before it starts to deteriorate. But one day, <laughs> one day. That will maybe make its way out into the world. Oh my gosh, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, that does bring up quite a good point. As how do you actually know when things are finished? How did you know when your your album was finished? How did you know when the tracks were done? It's never finished. It's <laughs> really tough. Question. It's never. There's always tweaks. Like even because with this one, because we worked on it more ourselves, produ- like producing most of it here but using like an external mixer and we've worked with Ali Chant, who we did the Omnitone with a few times on a few of the tracks as well. It helps going to someone else to like solidify the ideas and finish things off, but then also sending it off to mix and it gets mixed and it comes back and you make your little revisions and we could keep going. There's always like oh, just one little go, just push that one DB there and just like change that little, like you, we could, and it's just like, no, it sounds great. <laughs> it sounds really good. I think you do reach a point where you actually don't want to even hear it anymore because we like push things around for so long you're exhausted by the song and then yeah you do get to a point where you're like I don't care it's it's like I like it I don't hate it it's it's so bloody refreshing though when you play it back on Spotify yeah and you're like oh Oh, like I just forget about anything that I was thinking that I'd push, and I'm just like, it's released. Oh, it's yeah. yeah it's kind of switching to be a listener again yeah. instead of like mm, critiquing yeah. everything at every point. Mm. It's such a zone, and yeah, once you're out of it, it's okay, and you're like, oh, well, actually, we did good on that. Yeah, yeah. you did good. You did good, buddy. But that's it. I think I think it's all because like you can get so lost in like overproducing or tweaking, and we do this as well. We yeah. like get so like stuck into it and tweaking away, but like. If you write a good song, the song's going to be good. It doesn't matter how well it's recorded or how well it's like. We can take the big unknown for it, like quite example of that, because we weren't didn't know what we were doing that well at that point. And the recording's okay, the production's okay. We still cringe at it a little bit now. Yeah. Like I know that I recorded the guitar and I put it out. Of phase. If you play big unknown on a mono speaker, the guitar is out of phase of itself. It disappears, and like it's got so many flaws to that track. Yet it still gets played relentlessly. And we don't know why. Clearly, people like it and they think it's a really good track. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. A really good, a really good sticking point. And I like the idea that, like, when you become a listener, like, you've you always like put on your new ears, don't you? And you're like, yeah, I can listen to this objectively and like enjoy it. That can take Which years, though. I think, good. like, as a as a someone who writes music, I think that can take years to just be like oh, this song that I thought was really crap that I wrote years ago, like, it's actually quite good. Like, oh, you know, it's, actually, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that you can get sort of the listener's ears on straight away or quite soon. That's like, that's amazing. I want to buy some. <laughs> <laughs> so what can we expect from your next album, which is out in May, I believe? May, May 28th. Oh. quite a big mix of stuff i thought we were more not chilled but a bit more down tempo but then everyone that's listened to like seen heard the whole, sort of whole thing's like no it's banging so much more upbeat and dancier so but it's darker yeah it's, it's upbeat but darker it's got darker and much darker undertones yeah. to it and i guess it's 
there's still lots of dynamics in it again. Yeah. There's lots of ups and downs and movement throughout the whole sort of album. But yeah, I think we've touched on a few areas where we haven't before. Mm, we've definitely well. explored, I think, further into what we could achieve with this one. And yeah, quite wide variety of genres been mashed together. <laughs> <laughs> we're really looking forward to it. And we're going to be following it and sharing everything to do with it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And hopefully you guys, I mean, if the whole world goes well, you're going to be in London in autumn, I believe. Hopefully. Mm. I hope so. Fingers yeah. crossed. Arms crossed. Yeah. Toes crossed. Every eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We'll see Everything. you there. Yeah. We'd love to see you. We'll see you. We'll meet you. Yeah. Come down for sure. <laughs> interviews by asking our guests who they are listening to on repeat but actually I wondered if as a group there were any artists or or bands that you listen to collectively that inspire your music I mean the crossovers yeah there is a lot there is a Mm. lot that kind of all bleed in I mean this album it was a lot more I don't know can Kate Bush? Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. You you said Fleetwood Mac, but I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. I suppose it's like listening to music is more. We don't do it as much together in the same way. Oh, I don't know. Well, it's because we're making music most of the time now. Like this year, I haven't listened to much yeah, music yeah. at all. I've literally just been listening to our stuff and analysing it and going through the sessions and been, like, trying to not get too much outside influence, yeah. but. I've I think if like on t- on tour, we listen to a lot of music together. Yeah, there's some classic albums that we'll always like. Caribou, mm. um, Odessa is an album which yeah. was very defining right. for us all. Like we all share that one, and it's like a dr- long drives. It's like it will come on at some point, guaranteed. Daft Punk, Daft yeah. Punk, is, uh, Little Dragon, Little Dragon. Yeah, their whole their whole catalogue is always yeah. a shared one. And what about individually then? So I, I'm just interested to sort of see if this varies at all. So, Katie, Katie, who do you listen to? What are you listening to at the moment? What's on or, I, we could do ones of like what we listen to that nobody else likes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when we're touring in the bus and I put, um, oh, what's the that's, I think this only applies to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, surely you listen to some Sorry, you go, you go, you go. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I listen to a lot of things like popcorn and um, stuff that these guys are like, hey, <laughs> can, we, can we listen to something else in the car? <laughs> um, what have I been listening to a lot recently? A lot of like... What was that thing you had on the other day? There was loads of cats just basically meowing. <laughs> there was something. There was there was something we was on. You just had it on your laptop while we were working in the front room, and it just it was this album that kept coming round. And oh, there was this it's song, a that Japanese ca- playlist. Yeah, there was these little cats just like meowing in the background of it. Actually, I think they might have been birds. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to a lot of Japanese music, which yeah. I'm biased because I'm just obsessed with anything that's Japanese. But these guys obviously are a bit like. I mean, I don't mind. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, you're in. <laughs> Uh, what do you mean listen to Dave? Well, the thing I'm milking at the moment is Kelly Leo, Leo Owen's album that she put out. And there's a track called Melt on it, which I just can't stop listening to. I don't know what it is. It's just like this great techno track. 
than just like that full whack. <laughs> yeah, I, I listen to a lot of I don't know soul and jazz and hip hop. A lot of like that sort of melodic hip hop as opposed to really Larry um, stuff. Uh, but I don't know that that's mainly what I listen to, I guess, in 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 the spare time. But we it, it is such a, a mixed bag of everything still. Disco. Yeah, I'm, not, a, I'm a disco nut, really. I'm a yeah. massive disco nut. I had a phase like, I don't know how long, seven years ago, where I was just buying every disco 12-inch I could get my hands on and just going to a record fairs and just buying it all. And got really lost in that. <laughs> you were good DJ since. I like that your answers were as like diverse and different from one another as kind of like the music you make. So I it's thought kind it of would be. That's why I'm so nice interested. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you lot have been really interesting to talk to so thank you so much for sparing an hour of your time yeah super appreciate it thank you yeah, thank great, you. great questions. clearly chat away for a lot longer <laughs> thank you so much to elder island for coming and chatting to us thank you so much for listening yourself don't forget to follow them on social follow us on social and drop a rating and review if you liked this episode be sure to go back and listen to some of our previous ones with some more See you on the flip side.